1: Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 Podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 Podcast. We are, uh, we're here after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. We've got a week's break now until uh, good old Paul Ricard or Paul Richard as I'm sure sort of, Sam will be calling it multiple times. Uh, until that time. uh, My name is Ben Hocking, Harry Heath and Sam Sage are with me. Um, I mean we are only 10 days away but how many times do you think you are going to call it the the Paul Richard maze before that point Sam?
0: I like to think that Crystal Maze based their entire game show off of the Paul Richard racetrack actually. It is so confusing to get in, out, shake it all about for both Staff, drivers, public, alike. I think there are still people stuck there. Maybe that's where Pascal Verline got lost and his career stopped.
1: <laughs> an, an unnecessary Pascal Verline burn, and we're not even a minute in. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> it's an early zinger. It's
2: uh, Paul Richard, and the and the straight is the Maltese straight, Sam?
0: Minstrel straight? Maltese straight, yes. The, 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 the minstrel straight, I don't know which one it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I can confirm it's neither, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's named it really after is. chocolate. Yes, it is exactly named after chocolate. The Kinder Bueno Strait, as it's more, more commonly known. <laughs> I will be
0: sponsored by that Great. I'm a big fan of that one.
1: Fair enough, <laughs> fair enough. Um, I mean, we've got a loaded show for you tonight, everyone. We'll be discussing the hottest rivalry in F1. And no, that isn't Max Verstappen versus Lewis Hamilton, but it is instead Toto Wolff versus Christian Horner. We'll be discussing that a bit later on. Keeping with uh, that Red Bull theme, we'll be discussing Sergio Perez. Of course, he is fresh off his first win of the season, his first win for Red Bull. We'll be discussing what is his chances of staying at the team for 2022 and when Red Bull should make that decision. Uh, and F1 back and forth. Good news, it makes a comeback later on. But first of all, we're gonna we're gonna kick off with the winners and the losers from the first six races of the season. So, um, Sam, if you wouldn't mind kicking us off, it can be a driver, a team, something else entirely. Can you pick a a winner from this season thus far?
0: Me no. Uh, I'm always a winner, baby. Um, a winner from the season so far. I think I think uh, Lando Norris is an immediate standout as a winner from the season so far. Um, he's the only driver to have scored points in every single race. And I think the young lad has really cemented... You know, I, I'm not going to be walked over by Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel Ricciardo, who people respect endlessly, is not going to come into this team, put his foot down, be that lead driver and have Lando learn from Daniel's, you know, accreditations previously at the likes of, of course, Renault and Red Bull. No, Lando is leading the way. Lando's proving himself is to be a team leader, as to someone who can guide this team to strong results, to someone who can get podiums when needed, very much like Sergio Perez has been able to do previously with other teams. Lando is now doing that. He's elevating that car. He's taking that midfield car and he's putting it as the best of the rest consistently. And I am really pleased to see, that, uh, to see Lando step up uh, and to kind of put the kosh down on Daniel a little bit to show that, you know what, you're not just going to come and walk all over me. So I think Lando is a real winner when it comes to these first six races of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I mean, Lando Norris has done a tremendous job, really from the outset, if you remember the Bahrain Grand Prix, first of all, where he beat Daniel Ricciardo by about 30 seconds. Um, I mean, a, a follow-up question more focused on the Ricciardo side of things rather than the Norris side of things, Sam, but Based on, you know, Carlos Sainz has done pretty well from the off. We're talking drivers in their new teams. Sainz has done pretty well from the off. Perez had a breakthrough at the weekend winning in Baku. Um, you know, Vettel's had a, lap, a couple of really good races now. Alonso came alive at the end of Baku. Are you starting to get concerned at all that Daniel Ricciardo hasn't had this breakthrough that some of the new drivers have had?
0: Um, it's, I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned. There's definitely, you know... I'm hoping that things are going to improve for him, but I'm not sat there going, the Daniel Ricardo of old is gone. We'll never see him triumph again. I think Daniel was comfortably going in his locker. I think the man is going to take a little bit of time. We saw the difference in that first season with Renault, that second season with Renault. The man came alive in that second year with Renault. Such a good performance from him, time after time after time. That first season was not good at all, of course. Was he beaten by Nico Hulkenberg? or just shyly beaten by him? It was, you know, not, not too different there. Whereas I feel like Danny Rick clearly needs a little bit of time. He clearly uses into things. I think he's going to be okay. Daniel has got the reputation. He's got the likeability. He's also got things like the press factor, the fan factor, which brings a lot more to McLaren than just results on the track. Yes, that's what you need. But Daniel Ricciardo is able to bring a lot more to the situation. He's very marketable. I also do think he can deliver, and I think he will start delivering soon. Give it a few more races. Continue to let him easing. I think he'll get there.
1: Yeah I I think the original point as well that the Lando Norris has been one of the winners that's uh, that's tough to argue that one like you say the only driver to have scored points every race this season and more than often it's been very very good points that he's been able to secure. Harry, uh if you were going to pick a winner from the season so far, who or which team or what what would you go for?
2: Um I think it's been a fair few but the one I'm going to go for is Ferrari because uh, if you look where what position they were in in 2020, and you know also consider we've just mentioned signs, he's probably the only new driver to a team that to start performing pretty much straight away. Um, they've had a they've had a tremendous start to the year. If you can all things considered, two pole positions. Which if you said that at the end of 2020, I'd have told you to stop smoking whatever you're smoking. So. um yeah, they're going for five for me. I think it's a remarkable turnaround. And they're not back to where they were in 2019. But I think, I don't think I expected them to be, I didn't expect, we all know Charles, Charles Leclerc is a good qualifier, but I didn't expect them to have two poles by the end of round six. So um, yeah, and that car is got genuine pace in it around some tracks so far. So um, yeah, I think... They cannot be too displeased with the progress they've made. So I'm going to go with Fezza, And it's nice to see the red cars near the top again. They're supposed to be there.
0: Name name a more iconic collection of things than street circuits, Ferrari doing a fast early lap, and then one of the Ferraris being it and causing a red flag. So they get pole. Like, oh, wait, they're going to hang and secure that pole position.
1: What an iconic trio that is. (laughs) Do you know what I find brilliant is that Red Bull are closer to Mercedes than they have ever been, arguably faster than Mercedes so far this season. There's definitely a case that can be put together for that. Yet Ferrari have got one more pole position than them this year. Like that's just that, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, uh, I I I have to say I've got mixed feelings on whether I can call Ferrari a winner or not because on the one hand you're absolutely right in that the progress they've made is substantial. Signs are settled in better than any other new driver. Leclerc continues to be a god. You know, it, it's a great lineup, and and they've done a they've done a really good job to recover from where they were. At the same time, I struggle to call a team that has such history and such... The amount of money that goes behind Ferrari, I still struggle to call them a winner when they're not first or second. What's your thoughts on that, Sam?
0: Uh, I think they're a winner if you were to simply take the form from the last year. This is a great recovery, especially with the controversy around the engine. And also, I think they have won massively where they drive a pairing. Sykes and Leclerc, could be a pairing for another decade. They have that ability in them. They've got the age behind them. They've got the talent. So I think they're building here, which is really, really good for Ferrari. If you were to look across their entire history, you know, all of Formula One in the past, you're right. Ferrari should win every single season hands down with the results they've got, the knowledge they've got, the history they've got. They should be dominating, but they're not. And you know what? Yeah, you can't base everything on 40, 50 years of results. That isn't how anything works, unfortunately. They're trying. They're coming back. They're improving. I really think this is an upwards trajectory, as it is for McLaren. The same for Ferrari. I think they're going very much in the right direction. I'm hoping this thing transfers to the new regulations in the next couple of years.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna put something else into the fray here as a winner, uh, and I'm not actually gonna go in the direction of a driver or a team at least for the moment. One of the one of the things that has been discussed all year and is being implemented this year is uh, sprint qualifying on Saturdays. Um, and I'm going to put one of the winners as qualifying enthusiasts because qualifying sessions have been sensational this year. And those who don't think that there should be a change to qualifying, I am a part of that group. Have been uh, have been sitting there rather smugly. As Saturday sessions have been brilliant all year, even with like Baku and Monaco, uh, where there were red flags that, let's say, ruined the end of qualifying. Even so, both of those qualifying sessions were were brilliant to watch. You remember Imola, Lando Norris nearly getting pole position. That was thrilling as well. We've had some brilliant Saturdays to this point. Um, And I don't know. I think it's just making a point that actually maybe qualifying isn't broken maybe 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 (laughs) it's all right as it is I know it's it is crazy um I don't know I think I think qualifying sessions have been have been great this year I think a lot of it is due to knowing that there isn't two or three cars in contention for first and third and doesn't really matter about everything you know we've had Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc and you know we've had like six or seven guys like in within a couple of attempts of pole at one point and we've had situations where um was it signs in uh I can't remember what race it was now uh Portugal or or otherwise um where he was like half a second away from first place in Q2 and also didn't make Q3 i think that's helped a lot but qualifying's been great this year for for me
0: i'll tell you what the formula is on this and it's because formula 1 as it stands works fancy that a multi-million pound organization working the issue is actually the fact that the cars currently are designed to not be able to pass and race each other formula 2 you know in terms of on-track action works brilliantly you just take smaller cars and put them into the formula one model and you bring the competition a little closer qualifying is already incredible it will continue to be incredible it seems to be more incredible so yeah i'm fully with you i think that was a great shout that qualifying currently in its current format Absolutely stellar entertainment. I have loved every second.
1: Yeah, and 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 like I say, that's with two red flags at the end of Baku and Monaco, which could well. I mean, could you imagine imagine the end of that Monaco session without the Charles Leclerc crash? That would have been that would have been something with those purple sectors that the likes of Verstappen and uh, and Bottas and signs were throwing in. Um, another winner from you,
0: Sam. Another winner from me. Now, the thing is, I had one in my mind. Oh, yes, here it is. I've remembered. I want to engage your qualifying debate, Ben, which I was very agreeing of. Um, It's old-school tracks. Old-school tracks that haven't been on the calendar that we've now seen, again, last season, but also now this season reignited, the likes of Portimao, the likes of Imola, proven that they can deliver a fantastic modern race, and we don't need to be going to the likes of Saudi Arabia... Or to, you know, more recently, South Korea, uh, where tracks are, what feel like, lifeless. They feel soulless. They don't deliver exciting, fun Grand Prix with punishment for drivers when they make mistakes and differences in the track and personality. These tracks have delivered iconic racing moments already. And they've only been around in the most recent era era for two years. And they've already created some of the best races that we've seen for a long time. The fact that has got into the league last year, that McLaren, around Portimao, Incredible, iconic moment in the in the hybrid era. Porter, wow. absolutely loved it. <laughs> Port wow. Por, mayo, as Paul de Resta called it, Porta Pesto. Honestly, um, I love them. I think they're great. I want them more often. And I think if the new formula works well and the cars are slightly smaller, they can run closer together. We should be going to these tracks more and more and more. They work well. They are classic iconic tracks for a reason. They deliver good racing. And I think there's a real wing for those iconic F1 tracks that... Aren't looked upon too favourably anymore. I don't really get why.
1: I have to say, first of all, very brave of you to go against the might of Yong Nam whilst Harry is on the call. (laughs) Um, You know, you're very, very brave in that respect. But I, I agree with your point. I mean, Imola, Imola was great. Um, Portimao, I'm a big fan of Portimao. I'm all in support of that. I'd love for the Nürburgring to keep appearing. Obviously, that one seems a bit bit more unlikely compared to obviously some of the others that we're getting twice um it might well be confirmed by the time people are listening to this but I know Magello is stated for a set, for a race this year as well that could happen Istanbul of course last year again that could happen this year uh, later on so yeah old school tracks I think I think it has been a winner Harry have you got another winner uh my other winner is strategists who love a
2: bold strategy because we've had a lot of them this year and they've worked most of the time. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, we've we spoken a lot about two stops and stuff and, you know, the the opportunities and options that gives teams. But instead of a strategist having to sit there and go, a one stop's the quickest, we'll have to do a one stop, there's not a quickest uh, way to do it. You know, we saw with Hamilton in Spain, did a two stop, won the race. We saw with Vettel in Baku, he went 300 days on a pair of soft tyres, set of soft tyres, and came P2. Um, Hampton again in in uh, in Bahrain, the first race of the season, that was an alternate strategy. So, yeah, it's been good to see the strategies 7 to, well, they weren't working before, but being able to do something else with with their with their races and give us a bit more entertainment because it's been great this year. I've loved, I've loved seeing some. Some bold calls, and there've been a few bold calls. Hamilton in Spain was a bold call, no way, no way, no way about it. So, um, yeah, love it. And, and there's, if there's one thing we love, it's a bold call.
0: Check out these four eggs, folks. Those on the <laughs> who, who seen these videos. <laughs> we love it. it. We love a there's bold There's a lot cool. of it.
1: I'll, I'll finish off the, the winners, I, I guess with a fairly obvious one, but Max Verstappen, I, I would consider to be one of the winners of the season so far. Uh, not only is he leading the championship, but he has hardly put a foot wrong through six races. If, if we're looking at the biggest errors that Verstappen has made this year, you would probably say failing to get the overtake on Hamilton in Bahrain and maybe not getting pole at Imola. That might, and again, that didn't really matter because he won the race anyway. But I think you're really having to nitpick if you're looking at bad things that have happened to Max Verstappen this year. And realistically, the only times where he hasn't won outside of the Bahrain incident was Spain, where the strategy, I, I don't think he was on the right strategy there. Portimao, where I just don't think they had the pace that weekend. and And also Baku, of course, where he was set to win. So, Really, the consistency of Max Verstappen for me has been astounding to this point. And, and honestly, he's we, we've spoken about Lewis Hamilton a lot over the years about how he's able to mop up championships based on his consistency. But at the moment, Verstappen is being more consistent than Hamilton is. You know, Hamilton has made a few crucial errors. You know, the one in Baku stands out. But Imola, he was fairly fortunate not to go into the barrier there. And he was fairly fortunate to, he was put in a position where he could fight back to second place. Monaco he had a bad weekend. So you know, there are there haven't it this hasn't been brilliant a brilliant season so far from from Hamilton's lofty standards at least in my view whereas Verstappen has been so consistently brilliant. Um yeah, I think he deserves a lot of praise for the position that he's got himself in. Of course this isn't the first time where Hamilton's been challenged like this early in the year. And Hamilton has accelerated away in the second half of the season, so there's still a long way to go. But at least till this point, the doing 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 the job. All right, that's enough positive talking. We've had enough of that. Let's let's get on to the losers because we can resonate more with these people. Um, Harry, a loser of the season so far. You can't pick yourself for your predictions. <laughs> I mean, I'm the top of that chart, you know, of the losers of this of this
2: year of just life in general. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for Alexander Albon, which is a rogue choice, I, I am aware. But I think... No, after, knock a I'm man gonna... down whilst he's not even in F1.
0: Good God. I I'm love i out of my mouth, thing.
2: <laughs> I, I do think about Bottas, but I thought Sam might have a go at that. So, anyway. Um, no, I'm going to go for Albon just because, and we'll get onto this, to- onto this topic, uh, surely. Um, I just think... Where does where does he go in terms of his F1 career now? Because if Perez continues to to do the do uh, in in Red Bull, then he's not going to get back in that team. And AlphaTauri have Gasly, who is you know performing as well as he ever has done, and little Yuki Fiery Tsunoda, who they're not going to get rid of after the first year because he's kind of what AlphaTauri are after. So unless he left the Red Bull program and tried to get in another way, but I don't see that really manifesting either, to be honest. So. Yeah, I mean, he must have watched Sunday and just had a little sob mm-hmm. in the corner because I think his F1 career is looking less and less likely now uh, going forward. Having said that, Danny Kvyat got back in. He did have every job under the sun until he got back in, janitor for Torosso. But um, that's an old OG joke there for anyone who is listening, if anyone is listening back, to uh, the day, Well, that's yeah. very OG. Very OG joke. Uh, but yeah, so... It could still happen, but I just think it's going to be tough. So I think, yeah, it's going to be tough for him to get back into F1.
0: His dream was always with formulary e anyway, so I'm sure I'm sure he'll get to True. go back to where his, his heart belongs.
2: He was supposed to be in a Nissan, and who knows? Probably might have won a bit more there, so do <laughs> mind. True. So why
0: doesn't Roy Ngassang drive a Nissan?
1: Because he's, uh, match- he's on the road F1. to F1.
0: <laughs> so he's, on, he's on A road, that's for sure. Yeah, he had a had a
1: podium
2: moniker, he? yeah,
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's fair. I, I think Al- what Alba needed, really, was for either Perez to have a disastrous season, Gasly to have a disastrous season, or Tsunoda to have a disastrous season. He needed one of those three to happen, and really, none of them are happening. Gasly's continuing to perform very well. Perez has just won a race, uh, and, and Sonoda's had his issues, but... I think he's probably the one w- that can get away with it at this point and he has shown those bursts of pace which should be enough to give him a second season so it's it is tough on alban and I I'm with you I'm I'm struggling to see where where he comes back into the fold at least in a Red Bull maybe maybe it is elsewhere um Sam biggest loser that was a <laughs> uh, state that so was a statement not uh, not uh, an invitation to talk
0: that's why I immediately replied I'm just aware that I am the biggest loser on the team, and therefore in the world. Um...
2: <laughs> Are we at the bottom of the loser pile? Then is that yes. what you're going to say? And yes. you're the best? Okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> lowest of losers is what LOL actually stands for, folks. Um, I'm going to go for uh, Pirelli. Now I know that oh. Pirelli had a negative race in Baku, and I was actually thinking this before the race in Baku. Anyway, I was thinking that. I think their reputation is not doing them too well at the moment. And this is mainly because they are constantly generating tyres and choosing tyres that don't really seem to fit, creating exciting race. Now, creating a compound which allows for multiple different strategies, high wear rates, but also low impacts if the tyre were to blow out or to have a no blowout tire essentially, that just slowly wears away and loses a lot of pace, is achievable. We've seen it happen before. We've seen it happen with other sports. You don't get these... Freak moments that we did in Baku in other sports very often at all, and it's happened three or four times now with Pirelli since they've been in charge of the tyre manufacturing. So I feel like Pirelli really need to work on a system that allow them to generate a tyre that creates a lot of different stops, a lot of different momentum, a lot of different changes in strategy, quick fast pace changes right on the you know the cusp of you know winning or losing, and not drivers going ten laps less than what their suggestion was, only to have their life put at risk or a really boring race where, amazingly, actually Spain was actually exciting because of the tyre. But every other year they've been in charge, it's been incredibly dull. So I do think Pirelli going into this new era of Formula One. I'm not saying they should leave the sport. I really do think they need to have a rethink, change it up, come up with something a little bit different that creates a different experience for both the racer and the spectator. Because they really have the key to a fun race in their hands. They're so integral to an important and fun season. If they don't deliver on that aspect, it could become very dull very quickly. So I think currently they are sitting in the uh the loser pile, just like the uh, late breaking boys.
1: Glad to see you with us, Pirelli. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining us here in the pile. Cheers, um, guys. I I mean I had I've got two written down here, uh, and I was fully expecting Sam to pick Valteri Bottas. So I've I've got two written down. One of them is Valtry Bottas. So now it's come to me, and I've got the opportunity to speak about it. I I can't do it. I can't do it to the man. He's he's, he's got too much. <laughs> I ah oh, I can't do it. Um, so I'm going to pick my other option which is which is Alpine. Um when realistically they have picked up a few points this year but they they have in most instances been scavenger points really in that they've picked up points where others have fallen by the wayside. And I really think that the the Renault last year um at least in the second half of the season, for me, was the third quickest car. I think it had a minor edge on the on the racing point, as it was then, and the McLaren. Um, so naturally, you would have thought they would want to continue that into this season and establish themselves again as either third in the pecking order, or at least in a very close fourth in that fight for third. And they're not there. Um, and especially when you bear in mind that Aston Martin are not in the same position that they were last year. They've dropped off the pace, which theoretically up, opens up the, opens it up a bit for, for Alpine to walk through. Uh, and instead, they haven't been able to do that, and they've fallen back just as much as Aston Martin have. And I don't know. It's just not happening for them. Whether they're too focused on next year, whether they just haven't been able to develop the car well enough, I'm not quite sure. But... Yeah, they seem to they seem to be on to something with Ricardo's late season form last year, and even though Ocon I think has done a really good job so far this year, it's it, it's coming a it's coming a bad car. It, it's not as good as it should be.
0: Oh, I'll, I'll give you two words for Alpine's downfall, and that is Cyril a beatable. I can't say his name. <laughs> a, a, a beatable, a, a beatbox. That man. Um. I think was turning things around and I think they had a steady man at the front of the helm and he's gone. And I th- I think that they threw away someone who was building something with some experience and no explanation seems to really be given to the external parties. So I just feel like, I think he was quite emotionally upset when Daniel said he was leaving. So I feel like he thought he was building something for the long term. And then he got so much taken away from so quickly. Daniel leaving, lost his job. He's got to get a tattoo at some point. We don't know if that's ever happening. Um, you know, and I feel like that man, there's a reason why Ferrari and McLaren have turned things around. You know, they, but Ferrari hung on to Bonotto, he's still going, and it, it's working. And of course, McLaren and Zach Brown are, build, are building a culture there, and long-term consistently works. Christian Horner and Toto Wolf have also been around now a long time. Throwing away a man that was showing improvements, I think, is part of the reason why Alpine are now Al struggling. Maybe so. Maybe so.
1: Um, We'll move on uh, to our second topic, which is that Verstappen versus Hamilton is very close in terms of the championship. They've had a number of close battles on track, but arguably the war of words has not been between those two. And actually, it's instead been between their respective team principals, Toto Wolff, of course, at Mercedes and Christian Horner at Red Bull. I'm not going to list everything that's been said since the beginning of the season because I would be here for the next hour, but... Basically, you know, Christian Horner's told Toto Wolf to keep his mouth shut about flexi wings, and then Toto Wolf's told Christian Horner that he's a windbag, and then Christian Horner said that Toto Wolf likes to talk rubbish about his team in public. It's a lot of back and forth. It's very difficult to keep up with. Sam, what's your thoughts on this whole saga between these two?
0: Firstly, I've got massive respect for bringing back the insult windbag not using everyday <laughs> language and uh big up for me. That is the only positive si- point of this whole situation. Um, I don't care for this. It's like two old grannies getting confusing a supermarket and having each other's handbags, you know, for a go. It you with my handbag. I'll hit you with your handbag. We're All out of breath. It's all over nothing. It's proving nothing. These two individuals are the, 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 the anchor. They're the leaders. They're the background men that run the show. Right. But, you don't do your talking versus press in press conferences. It's like a driver. A driver can't win a championship by having a go at something in a, in a PR conference or a driver briefing. They have to do it on the track. Well, Toto, if you want to shut Christian up, Get your pit crew to do better pit stops. You've had some problems with them recently. Get your pit crew to to do strategies to come up with some slightly better options more consistently because you've been lucky some and others. And maybe get your second driver to be supporting your primary driver this season because then maybe your points haul will be closer to Red Bulls. Christian, on the other hand, just shut up, man. You're the most smug man in Formula 1. And you've been nipping at the heels of Toto for seven years. And now finally... You're up there and you're not humble about it in any way. You're not gracious. You're not just enjoying the fact that you're winging. You've immediately got to delve into this sad little man who can't help but bite back. And I don't like either side. I don't want either side. The player can shut up for all I care. Do your talking in the season with your drivers and your teams. And the winner at the end of the season is the winner. They are not like shut up and get on it for next season. I don't want to hear it. It does not interest me at all. I think it is very, very sad for two fully grown men in my opinion.
1: I, I admire Lewis Hamilton's solution that he gave at the weekend, which was to get them both in a boxing ring. I would... Uh, honestly, yeah. box office... Uh, I, I would pay for that. I, I, I feel sorry over. for Christian
0: if that's the case. I feel like Toto might absolutely decimate Christian Horner in a boxing ring. My money would be on Toto.
1: Um, <laughs> Harry, what what's your thoughts on this seemingly uh, endless back and forth between them? I have a converse opinion to
2: Sam's and that is... Inject it, love it. We don't have enough of it with Hamilton and Verstappen, and I, I you know, I think there's a, there's. Sam has a point. I think there's maybe um, maybe they're going too uh, childish with this now, but um, I, 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 you, I just love love to see it. Love the competition. I'm not saying it's not. You know, there's not a competition. Rather be rivalry between uh, Hamilton and, and Verstappen, but they're very kind to each other maybe if they run each other run each other off the road at some point it'll get worse but um yeah just just yeah, at least the, at least there's there's two people that are going to bring a bit of bring bring it's like fernando alonso bring a bit of spice back into the sport just just love it i don't want it to go i don't want it to go too much further because it will get it will just get a bit boring but um yeah windbag. i mean come on it's
1: playground stuff love that <laughs> <laughs> Windbag is a fantastic insult. I, I think it is the best F1 insult since Nelson Piquet called Nigel Mansell a blockhead. That is.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, that, that happened that. so long ago, like literally decades ago. And I well, don't think I will ever find cucumber.
0: that. Yeah, Ooh, Cucumber is up there as well. Cucumber's <laughs> an outsider. Legendary for F1 insults.
1: But win, I can appreciate windbag. bag. It's a good effort. Um, I I agree that some of this is childish. I'm I'm actually going to go in the direction of what Harry said here, in that there there's too much in the way of niceties in F1. So I am happy to see, even if it's not two drivers um, c- competing and and not being not necessarily unfriendly, but they they're just they're in rivalry and they're all right with that and they're okay that they aren't best of friends and. You know, sport is based on rivalry. Sport is based on these moments, and you know, it, it does. It complements obviously the excellent driving that we're seeing on track, and, and you couldn't have one, you couldn't have that without that. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm actually, as long as it doesn't get too childish, and it has threatened on occasion to get that way, I, I'm actually all right with. Uh, I'm actually all right with this. Um, I will say though that christian horner's comment because the way i see it is that christian horner is literally on this earth to stir the pot it doesn't matter what pot it is he's going to stir it and he's he lives for the we saw it with the net with netflix with uh, welcome to the team check he lives for the cameras and he lives for the drama doesn't he and the problem is toto i liken toto wolf to a really well-behaved dog until he sees a squirrel and Christian Horner is that squirrel, and he just can't—he can't help himself. He literally cannot help himself to like bite back and just and get involved. I think otherwise, you know, Toto wants to keep it on the straight and narrow. Uh, I think I think it's hilarious, but what, one thing I would say as well, actually, Christian Horner saying that he doesn't—he um, doesn't—he well, didn't say he didn't agree with it, but Toto Wolf likes to roast his own team oh you know I'm not quite sure that's accurate but um he he said that he wouldn't he doesn't like to do the same to his own team and to be honest Christian I've I've got to say one of the reasons Mercedes have been so good for for so many years is the fact that they they can look at themselves and and look at their flaws and they're not afraid to to look at a process and to improve it and that's why they've stayed on top for so long so um really I don't think I don't think that's. Uh, I think that's a weakness of Mercedes and actually something that Christian Horner might want to consider for his own team in terms of improvement. But, yeah, inject it. Inject the spice. Why not? Call Christian Horner a squirrel. Well, I mean, he he calls Cyril a squirrel, so I'm returning the favour. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll move on and we'll, we're actually going to stay in the uh, in the Red Bull family here because we're going to be talking Sergio Perez. Of course, he's coming off his first Red Bull win at the weekend. And I'm, su- I'm sure many of you would have heard this stat. I couldn't quite believe it. And then it kind of clicked that it's true that he is the first driver in the hybrid era to win for two different teams, which is is a great stat. Um, but Sam, I'm out of interest. If you were to put a percentage on this, how likely do you think it is that Sergio Perez will be with the team next year?
0: I'm currently sitting at around 70%. Um, people saw the Baku race as incredibly favourable. I am so happy that he won that race. I think Perez, you know, he needs that. It'll boost his season massively. I'm not a, I'm a secret fan of Perez. I really do like him. Um, but I'm also not going to lie to myself about it being a perfect display. And I know that Red Bull's team we'll analyse those moments as well. You know, we already heard the snide comments from Christian and we went too far in his pit box. You know, will we'll, we'll, we'll give Perez a cuddle after the wing this week, but the moment that Perez qualifies in fifth when we're in France, he'll have some horrible thing to say again, you know, come the end of qualifying in, in two weeks' time. That team is very back and forth. That team is very much flippant on form. So if Perez can maintain form, if Perez can carry on backing up Max, if they can win the Constructors' Championship with the help of Perez, that massively helps his situation. But right now, it's about 70 to 75%, I feel like. What's really interesting for me is if they do keep Perez on board, I think this has huge repercussions for the, uh, the Red Bull family. We've already discussed Albon. I don't think he gets back in the seat at all. I think that's Albon gone, essentially, from Formula One. Pierre Gasly isn't going to want to be in that family for much longer if he knows that he's going to move up to a Red Bull seat again. I don't think he wants to drive them anyway. Yuki Sengogu is clearly the next man in line. And there are certain young drivers in the Formula 2 area that are doing rather well this season, one of those being Yuri Vips, who I know obviously is also a keen favourite for the Red Bull family. Um, So it's, it's tough for the Red Bull family. If they don't get rid of Perez essentially in the next 12 months, who they might end up losing other key drivers who have essentially got a lot more time in the sport. But at the same time, currently, Perez deserves to keep that seat in my opinion. So that's why I think it's only 70-75%. But I'd love to see him in it again. I think currently he does deserve another season.
1: Harry, if you were going to put a percentage on this, where are you going?
2: I'm going to go a bit higher. I'm going to go for 85%. Um, I agree with Sam, though, that, you know... We can't just take Baku as a as the only reason why it hasn't been a fantastic year so far. And we've said he's definitely shown glimpses throughout, but he's never strung together a full weekend, you know. And even Baku wasn't perfect again, qualifying, he should have been higher up, arguably. Um, although Max wasn't on pulse, so, you know. Um, but yeah, I think if the if Perez continues, I don't want to say he's going to win every race from now on, it but if he, even if he continues that form where he is in that position in a race where it's Max versus Lewis and Sergio is there with them, that's all Red Bull needs. If he starts to become a headache, I think there's another issue in there. If starts to become a headache for Max, don't know what happens then. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly confident that he'll, he'll, they'll re-sign him. They've already kind of said they're not going to re-sign Gasly, kind of publicly as well. That We know how quickly it can change in Red Bull, but, yeah, I don't see them bringing Gasly back, to be honest, and Albon, we've already talked about that. So, um, yeah, I think I'm fairly confident it's going to happen um and it barring any disastrous rests of the year for, for Perez I think it's he's in a pretty
1: good position and that is why I have also got 85% written down I I'm fairly confident that this is yeah. going to happen as well um I, I think if you look at the other yeah if you look at the other drivers in this situation and I'm I, I'll echo what you said Harry that Baku shouldn't be the the only reason for this, and it hasn't been a perfect season up until this point. A long way from it, but I, I think th- I'm basing this off Baku being a sign of things to come over the next sort of ten races or so. And I think he's gonna he's gonna get to grips to the car more than enough in order to beat out the competition here. Because ultimately, if you look at who the competition are, Yuki Tsunoda. You know, It would be on brand for them to put him in the, the seat in his second year. At the same time, you would hope at the 73rd time of asking, they'd have learned their lesson uh, and they'll keep him in Formula, uh, Formula 2. They'll keep him in Alpha Tauri, um, at least for one more year. I don't think he's going to be demoted. I don't think anyway. Um, yeah, I think they'll keep him in there for one more year. And Pierre Gasly, realistically, Pierre Gasly has been knocking it out of the park for nearly two years now. If he hasn't been able to convince them to this point that he should be in that seat, what more can he do? Like, realistically, go and win another race? Like, what what could he possibly do that he hasn't already done? He's done a great job since then. He's been consistently quick and consistently delivered great results. I don't think Red Bull will ever put him in that seat again, rightly or wrongly. I don't think it's going to happen. Alex Albin, I don't think they'll put him back in the seat. Um, I think if they were going to put him back into the program, they'd put him back into Alfred Tauri for a year first. I don't think they're going to insert him back into Red Bull um, from having no seat the season before. So realistically, those are your, those are your options. Um, unless you do promote someone from F two straight away to Red Bull, which I know sounds ridiculous, but it is Red Bull, so they might try and cons- they might try and do it. Maybe they'll try and go f- straight from F three. Who knows? Um, it worked the right with Verstappen, uh, but yeah, it's. I think this is going to happen. I've got this at 85%. Um, I will say, though, let's just... And I'm not saying this should happen. I'm not saying this will happen, not by a long shot. But I just want to put this out there and see what you think. Let's say that Gasly has no chance of getting back in that seat. They, they don't want him there. Sonoda's not ready. They don't want him in there. Albon, they've decided they don't want him back in that seat. And Perez has a really bad rest of the season. This is a blip. He doesn't have a very good season at all. So they kind of don't really have a good option at all. Would this be the craziest thing in the world if that all that happened and Mercedes want George Russell in their seat? Red Bull taking Valtteri Bottas. considering i nah, will take Russell. Well, let's say Mercedes want Russell and Valtteri Bottas is a free agent. Valtteri Bottas knows more about Mercedes than pretty much anyone else.
0: Is there something there? I I think they're more likely to take Russell. I think they'll want Age. I think they'll want the what, I think they'll what, swim him away with him Russell. Yeah. i i I think they can take him. I think Red Bull they've poaching <laughs> enough off the Sages. I think Red Bull have easily got the ability to poke something else away. I just I've heard I've heard rumours in the stratosphere that, you know, that is actually a weird option for Red Bull should things go wrong. And I think Russell might be growing a bit tired with the situation that he finds himself in.
1: Can you imagine Russell waiting it out at Williams for so long? And then they turn around and be like, yeah, you can come in Mercedes now. He's like, nah, bye. <laughs> <laughs> goes, off to, goes off to Red Bull. Bye. Um, again, that that Bottas theory, by the way, is a uh, very much, I don't think it's going to happen. But I just, uh, I was just thinking earlier, hang on a minute. He, he does know, he, there is a good driver in there, you know, no, undeniably. And he knows a lot about Mercedes. That could be, that could be useful. Um, but. Bring him aboard for like the winter
2: and then fire him. <laughs> he'd, like, he'd
0: just end up being, I was going to say, he would end up being another Valtry Bottas. He would, he'd end up just doing the same role again, but at, uh, at Red Bull. I just think he doesn't want that in his life anymore. You're trying
1: to claim that Valtry Bottas would be another Valtry Bottas? Yes. I can't argue with you, but. <laughs>
0: That's exactly what I'm claiming. Valtry oh. 2.0, actual Bottas.
1: Big J journalism here at late breaking. You can't beat it. Uh, <laughs> top level analysis. Speaking of top level analysis, uh, let's move on to F1 back and forth because that's a natural segue. Um, <laughs> F1
0: back and forth. It's F1 back and forth. It goes backwards. Then goes forth, it's F one. Back and forth. F one.
1: F one back and forth. So I'm sure if you've listened to the podcast before you'll know what's happening here. But as we know we've got we've got people listening for the first time, watching for the first time. If so, welcome along. I uh, hope you're enjoying. F1 back and forth is a game where Sam and Harry will go up against each other in a certain category that I will re- reveal in a moment. They have to go back and forth giving correct answers until one of them can't think of one or gives an incorrect answer. So, um, Sam, I, did you win last time? I, I can't, can't remember. Which I, gone, I really? won
0: the last back and forth, but Harry won the last alphabet-y. Uh
2: <laughs> The I- only the only alphabety so far. <laughs>
1: Don't King, King Al- of the Alphabeti will make a return <laughs> it will make a return, don't you worry. Uh today's category is winners of the Spanish Grand Prix as part of the F1 World Championship since 1976. Any winner. Uh and there's 22 overall. Um so I will start with you, Sam. Can you give me a winner of the Spanish Grand Prix since 1976? Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Oh, it's a it's a good answer. He's pulled <laughs> it out of the bag. Well, um, Harry, um, Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen, of course, <laughs> unbelievably the most recent winner after Lewis Hamilton back in 2016. Um, who Sam? Who's you got next? Uh,
0: Michael Schumacher. Yeah, he
1: did. He did all right there, didn't he? Yeah,
0: He was it was not too shabby.
1: Harry, um, Fernando Alonso. Alonso makes it four between you. And yeah, like I said, there's 22. So if you are playing along at home, that's the number you're aiming for here. Uh, who have you got next, Sam? Um,
0: Mika Hakkinen.
1: Mika Hakkinen. Uh, did very well there. Won, uh, won three in a row, I believe. And should have won four in a row until he broke down on the last lap. <laughs> oh, Harry. Don't know. Um, the King, Pastor Maldonado. Pastor Maldonado, of course, that famous win. Sam, who's your next guess?
0: Uh, Nico Rosberg.
1: He did, only once, but Nico Rosberg did win the Spanish Grand Prix. Harry. Everyone's favourite goat, Mark Webber. <laughs> <think> ah! that-, <laughs> that is honestly brilliant. Honestly <laughs> brilliant. Um, if that has flown over anyone's heads, uh, that's the Channel 4. F1 team uh, in the UK doing highlights. Uh, Mark Webber uh, sounding like a goat in response to Lewis Hamilton going off the track on the restart. Also, Alex
2: Jiggs um, he, he commentates like horizontal and then stands up. It's like a jack in a box Go watch it. Like,
0: <laughs> like, it's like on, like an hanging board and someone kicks the bottom <laughs> of it and just throws him up in the air. It's like, and I'm excited! That is what he's like.
1: And um, it works. It works. Yeah. Um, fair. Uh, Sam, what have we got? Uh,
0: everyone's actual favourite goat, Sebastian Vettel.
1: Oh, Vettel against Weber, who's the goat? That's that's our next uh, next podcast topic decided. It's a correct be a answer. Short
0: podcast.
1: Harry. Um Jensen Button. He did win in Spain. Going along nicely here. Sam.
0: Um he has it's only once I think Felipe baby
1: he did he did win in Spain yes Harry Kimi Raikkonen he was a winner there a couple of times, I think. I think he won there twice. Um, yeah. but yes, it's a correct answer. You're going along nicely here. You've got uh we've got twelve now, so you're over halfway there. You've only got another ten to go. Unfortunately, this is probably where it gets a little bit more tricky for you. Uh Sam. Oh, yeah.
0: Ayrton Senna.
1: Senna did win Spanish Grand Prix. Um, Harry. Um Damon Hill. Good old Dill. Yes, he did. He did win. He did win a Spanish Grand Prix. So we carry on again. Back to you, Sam.
0: Everyone's favourite doctor, Nigel Mansell.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, very much a last episode reference. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: Nigel Mansell uh, who is a doctor not Jonathan Palmer Jonathan Palmer was not a doctor it was Nigel Mansell uh, he did actually win the Spanish Grand Prix so well done <laughs> Harry uh, there's there's not many more to play with you've got seven left here um, since 1976 just to just to remind me um, Alan Prost he did he did win in Spain so it goes back to you Sam oh
0: Pooh bags?
1: No, I'm afraid uh, not. <laughs> Harry is the winner. Uh,
0: you're a poo bag. Um, yes, yeah, so a bit of a yeah. punt on this one. Harry King, number one fan club, Jacques Villeneuve. <laughs>
1: he will be devastated. You've taken that answer away from him. But Jacques Villeneuve <laughs> is a correct answer. Come on, Harry.
2: Oh here yeah, you go. my go. Sorry. Um, I don't really know any more. The only one I think I do know, but I feel like it's a techn- technicality here because I think he got disqualified.
1: But did James Hunt win the one in 1976? He did. He did win that race. Um, yes. And then got DQ'd, but then got re- reinstated. Reinstated. So he does count. Um, cool, yes, that's the correct answer. Um, good news. Um, good news. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to apologise to everyone that I've told there are 22 answers. I didn't realise I've got Nigel Mansell written down twice. So there's 21 names <laughs> to,
0: to <laughs> Big doctor. <laughs> <But> Nigel <laughs>
1: Nigel's that good, I've written him down twice. Um, which means there are four to go. Sam, can you name them? Or any of them?
0: Oh, we're at the tricky end of things, folks. And if you've gone ahead and been able to get the other four already, then hat oh, uh, off to you.
1: That is. Sorry, I've given the wrong number. Three more. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll cross him out now. I'll cross it. There, there we, we go. To... He's crossed oh. out. Three more.
0: Doctor Night she's just in the mind. Um, <laughs> Mario Andretti.
1: Yes, he did.
0: Oh yes. Which
1: means there are just two more. This is a very impressive run. Harry, have you, have you got a guess in there? Yeah, I don't actually know anymore. So I'm going to go for Keke Rosberg. It's a good guess. It's not right, I'm afraid, uh, which does give the win to Sam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: you made it a long way through that list. I'm impressed. And 19 out of the 21. Sam, did you know any of the last two?
0: I had an absolute pure guess on my final one. I've, I've, got, I've, I've got one answer. I don't know who the final one is, if this is even correct. It would be uh, Jacques' better half Gilles Villeneuve. Yeah, um, do you remember the better famous... <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Gilles Villeneuve, yeah, he won the, uh, the 81 Spanish Grand Prix. Very very famous race where he held off everyone in that god-awful Ferrari. Um, yeah, the only other one was Patrick de
0: Um, oh I would never have got that
1: yeah um, might have been his only F1 win I'm trying to think no he probably won who knows maybe one or two more I'm not sure but yeah good effort Sammy take the win
0: love that I do love a bit of F1 back and forth everyone sing along to the theme tune F1 back and forth it's F1 back and forth it goes backwards then goes forth it's F1 back
1: and forth F1 yeah I can hear them all singing yeah
0: (laughs) the crowd goes wild for the the number one hit
1: yeah so I mean that's that's where we'll leave this one Uh, we'll be back in a week's time of course leading up to Paul Richard if you wouldn't mind Sam getting us
0: out of here Folks, let us know what you thought of all the discussion topics. Will Perez keep that? So, how did you do on from one back and forth? It's always a bit fun, a bit silly, but we love it. We hope you love it too. And of course, join us next week for Paul Richard, where we get lost in France because no one knows where they're going around that crazy, crazy place. Uh, in the meantime, I have been Samuel Sage.
1: I've been Ben Hawking. I've been mean, Patrick Chapaye. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say it right. Remember, <laughs> keep breaking late.
2: Oh, bye bye.